Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, well, everything has changed in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we are on to episode 3, Acts 3, but today we will get off our... uh, lineup of episode numbers with chapter numbers because we're going to hopefully get into Acts chapter 4 here. So we've had the gospel message preached. It's been the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem and there has been a tremendous harvest as they celebrate harvest at Pentecost. Uh, 3,000 souls have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and um, we're going to see the continued spread of the gospel in Jerusalem. Um, here in Acts chapter 3 and 4, there's going to be a miracle. And really, the context of this miracle is going to take us all the way through most of chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to see uh, more speaking out about Jesus and more people brought to the Lord. But we're also going to see the first real resistance from the Jewish leaders. We're going to see um, people continuing to be frustrated with the spread of the gospel. And the same people who are frustrated with Jesus are going to be frustrated with his followers. Yeah, we talked about that some last week, that chapter 2 is a really happy chapter. It's a very encouraging chapter, as we see so many coming to the Lord. But opposition is soon um, around the corner in chapter 3. And um, it's kind of cool, from here on out, really, in the book of Acts, it's actually going to follow a few different men, um, follow their stories and what they were doing. And uh, in this case, it'll be about Peter and John. And uh, then we'll see a few different men throughout the book of Acts from here on out. Right. Some of the acts of some of the apostles. Right. Yeah. Is kind of the the way this book goes. Well, let's read um, chapter 3 of Acts. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, that is, 3 p.m. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, this is a fun little story, isn't it? I, I like this one. This is one I heard growing up in Bible class yeah, a lot. We, we had a song about this one. Yeah, that's right. So it's the uh, it's the ninth hour of the day. It's 3 p.m., is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 3 p.m. And um, there's this man who isn't able to walk. In fact, it notes for us in verse 2 that this man has been this way ever since he was in his mother's womb. He's had to be been carried along. But there was like this kind of like routine that, like people would sit him in front of the gate of the temple, um, and he would beg for money from those who were entering the temple. And right. it's like, well, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, why why do you think that he was being set in front of the temple? 
Right. Well, I mean, it's the it's the hour of prayer. There are right. regular right. times like nice where people they there. come. <laughs> yeah. And so Peter and John, they're going to pray. Right. I mean, they had regular times of prayer at the temple. And so this was a high traffic time. So it's an opportunity for him to receive alms because God teaches his people to care for the poor, um, especially among their own. Like th- yeah, that was absolutely. that was an expectation that God had. And so he would receive alms. This is how he has to subsist. Yeah, this is how he survives. Is uh, he is at the mercy of others, mm-hmm. and so he asks Peter and John for something, and um, he ex- is expecting. It's kind of interesting how much Luke records about the actual interaction that they like look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Peter says, "Listen, I, I don't have silver and gold." I've got something better for you. Yeah. I'm going to give that to you. And now this is really key. He does this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The, that the, the name of Jesus, that word name, is just going to come up over and over mm-hmm. in chapters 3 and 4. So watch for that as we read. Um, that's the real emphasis in these chapters. They are healing in the name of Jesus. Which, by the way, th- this just really reminds us of one of the miracles of Jesus, right? When the four friends carried uh, th- their lame friend and lowered him down through the roof in the presence of Jesus. Yeah, of course, he, he's expecting to be healed, mm-hmm. to be able to walk again. But Jesus is like, yeah. Your sins are forgiven. Yeah, your <laughs> sins are forgiven instead. But of course, he, he goes on to heal him, much like Peter and John will do here. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's it's putting an emphasis on something far more valuable and something far more greater and more important than just being able to walk again. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus. Um, and I think there's a lesson there. I think there's an important lesson there. Uh, we, we might not always have money to be giving to people. I know here in Harrisburg, we have several homeless that live downtown and um, in different areas. And so, uh, you know, it's pretty common for me to encounter homeless people. I don't always have money to be able to give. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, sometimes I'm able to take them to have meals. But the more important thing that we can give somebody, whether they're homeless or not or in need or not, financially you can give them jesus you can give them the name of jesus and share something about him and that's clearly a focus that peter and john were putting on here yeah and the effect from this act just ripples through again this crowded temple area um just like the guy that jesus told pick up your bed walk and he like walks out of the house you know in the presence of everybody and they're just floored by this same thing here, he's walking around the temple complex, walking, leaping, praising God. I mean, this isn't like kind of a gradual process where he gets up shakily and then slowly recovers. It's like, boom, he's completely healed and he is running all over the place. And people are like, wait a minute, like, we've seen this guy for years. Uh, we're going to find out actually like at the end of almost all of this in Acts 4 verse 22, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's been begging for I guess pretty much his whole life. Yep. And now after 40 years, he's running around healed. And so this has a tremendous effect and it's going to be the springboard for Peter to seize the opportunity and preach a sermon. Yep. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and read that sermon. I'm going to read Acts chapter three, verses 11 through 26. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. While he was clinging to Peter and John, All the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, 
Why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us, as if by our own power of piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and his successors onward, also announce these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Stephen said it as we went into this section that Peter's going to seize the opportunity. That's the theme, man. That, that's one of the major themes. When somebody has an opportunity to teach and to tell about Jesus, they take it. Um, I love that example because we're given those opportunities all the time, and I, I far too often pass those up. But Peter, he speaks up. Um, this man is still clinging to him and John, and everyone is amazed at what's happening. And Peter says in verse 12, it, what's, it's not us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We didn't at, do this. <laughs> yeah, why are you looking at us like we did something great? Um, by our own power or piety, we made him walk? No. Um, he says that, and, and again, he starts on common ground. He's speaking to Jews. Again, all of currently, yeah. men of Israel, the church is just Jews at this point, right? Or converts to Judaism. And so he says, You, you remember the God of our father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, he has glorified his servant, Jesus. And again, he starts out with, you crucified him. Uh, you delivered him over and denied him in the presence of Pilate. When Pilate had decided to release him, you denied the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer to be given to you. Mm -hmm. Remember Barabbas? I mean, he he's laying it on the people. Again, like he did in ch chapter 2. Like You had the opportunity to let Jesus go. Pilate wanted to let him go. But you said, crucify him and give us Barabbas, who's a murderer. So he's like, you had the choice. You killed, mine says in verse 15, you killed the author of life. Yeah. Uh, is that what yours has? Yeah. It, well, no, it says uh, you put to death the prince of life. Um, and there are some other translations that will say um, the source of life. Source of life. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. 
And again, the focus on witnesses. Verse 15, God raised him from the dead to this. We are witnesses. God sent him. You killed him. God raised him. We saw him. Mm-hmm. I love that summation of what, what's going on. Yes, and it does <laughs> preach here. And so, again, the emphasis on the name, verse, verse 16, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that's through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. We find out that that, that is what made this man well. Peter and John didn't heal this man by their own power. Jesus healed this man through Peter and John. I love that. So really, Jesus is continuing to work in the book of Acts. As you all walked through the book of Mark with us, sometimes you read the apostles and what they're doing in the Gospels, and you're like, man, these guys don't really have it together. How are they going to be the ones that take the Gospel into the world? They're arrogant. They're fighting over who's greatest. You're you're a little bit worried about it. So Acts chapter 3 is really refreshing, because here's an opportunity where if Peter and John wanted to take the credit for this, they could have. It would have been wrong, but they could have done it. But instead, they humbly step aside and they put forth Jesus. And that's they right. say, this is the one. This is who did this. Yeah. Um, that's a great example for us. That's step right. out of the way and let Jesus shine. And they're going to note uh, in chapter 4, like, these guys are changed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there is something different about mm-hmm. these men. But the humility point, I, I hadn't thought about that specifically. That's really helpful. So he then ties this together with the scriptures. Um in verse 18 and following, he says, listen, God foretold this by the mouth of the prophets that Christ was going to suffer, and this he fulfilled. And so, here's the kicker, verse 19, repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Um, so, there's going to be, the, the condition he gives here is you need to repent. And I mean, that, that's really at the core of what God wants, is he wants us to change our hearts and minds, and then to change our lives. So, there's one condition, and there's like three different things that come from this. Right. One of them's in verse 19, so that your sins may be blotted out. And I love that, that idea of like forgiveness is powerful, but the idea of like sins being blotted out of like, if God has this record of like all the things we've done and he's just like crossing out sins, like you're not held accountable for these anymore. Yeah. I, I, this is interesting. Another translation says so that your sins may be wiped out. It's yeah. kind of like when somebody wipes out, it's like mm-hmm. you fall out, you're, you're done. Yep. Um, that's really cool. Um, I, I just on top of that, um, repent and return. I, I love how that is just such a vivid image of what repentance is. It's returning. It's going somewhere else uh, once you've renounced what you've done. Yes. So that turning that change of heart and life your sins are blotted out and then verse 20 times of refreshing may come from the presence of the lord it's pretty interesting this word is almost like the idea of like getting it to catch your breath mm-hmm. and it's the idea of when you turn to god there is this relief that comes and then the third thing is this anticipation this hope and that he may send the christ appointed for you jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And this just reminds me, you know, talking about repentance and then hoping for the return of Jesus is very similar to what Paul says to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. Uh, the last part of verse 9, he says, And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God 
and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So I think this is really similar, what he's saying here, that when you repent, your sins are forgiven, there is a relief that comes from serving Jesus, and then there's this future hope of, he already sent Jesus once to die and to rise so that our sins could be forgiven, but there's this anticipation that Christians live with of Jesus is coming back again for the restoring of all things that, that started with the prophets of old foretelling these things. The prophets in the New Testament will have things to say about the restoration and what's going to happen at the end. And heaven must receive him until that time. That's what happened in Acts chapter 1 is, you know, he went back up into heaven and remember the two men in white who said, hey, he, he was taken up from you into heaven and he's going to come in the same way that you saw him go. There is this anticipation that Christians live with uh, of hope, of joyful anticipation in what God's going to do at the end. And then he ties it in with Moses. Uh, talks about uh, Deuteronomy 18, this very famous prophecy that the Jews would have been familiar with. God's going to send a prophet like me from your brothers. And you got to listen to him or you're going to be destroyed. And all the prophets from Samuel and onward talked about these days. Your sons are the prophets. You know what God said to Abraham? And again, this is going back all the way to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets. And so God raised him up and he sent him to you first. Now this is kind of interesting because there's like a little preview here of like, he's going to be preached to other people too, but he comes to the Jews first and he is going to bless you by turning you from your wickedness. You know, I've even made notes in my Bible about that. Um, Romans 1.16, we'll talk about the gospel going first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And I just, I never thought about Peter kind of wetting our appetite for that because it's going to be a lesson he learns even better in Acts chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Not thought about that. Thank you, Stephen. That's yeah. cool. Well, and it's in contrast to verse 25. He's just quoted from the promises to Abraham. Genesis 12. Yeah. And he said, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. The Jews don't constitute all the families of the earth, but they're, it starts with them. They're the ones that were descendants of Abraham, yeah. and God's going to use Abraham's family to then bless the Gentiles, to bless yeah. the whole earth. And we did talk about this some in the Mark part podcast. In Mark 12, uh, Jesus will tell the parable of the vineyard um, or the vine growers, and there's some implications there of the vineyard eventually being opened up to others. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool. Well, what's really interesting about this, as we get into chapter 4, like we said, try to ignore the chapter break if you can, because it kind of goes with each other. Peter's sermon, I think, wasn't over. Like I actually think he had some more to say. Um, and so I'll hand it over to Stephen and let him read chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 12. Sure. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, 
If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All right, so Peter, of course, was in the middle of his sermon. In verse 1, it says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple guards and Sadducees come up to him, And uh, they're greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That's that's the cornerstone of the lessons that the apostles will be giving. Jesus, he was risen from the dead. Um, You see some jealousy and envy from them. Obviously, our minds are immediately going back to the cross and what Jesus went through. That's right. And so they arrest them. Now, we're going to see that, you know, they have favor with the people. They're still scared of the people, similar to what was happening in Jesus' day. But they don't want to harm them yet. So they put them in custody till the next day. They're kind of figuring out, okay, what are we going to do about this? And um, it would have been, it is just interesting here that the Sadducees are mentioned as frustrated because they don't believe in the resurrection. (laughs) Right. And so they're frustrated that they're proclaiming the resurrection in Jesus. And so it's just notable that they're mentioned, particularly here. And so the next day they They get the whole crew together, all the high priestly family, and they're like, how are you doing this? By what power, or notice again, by what name did you do this? Acts 4, uh, verse 7. And Peter, again, this isn't exactly a third sermon, but he (laughs) makes some of the same points here. Uh, Repetition, we we need to remember this. Um, If you're asking us about what happened to the lame man, verse 10, it is by the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom yeah. God raised from the dead. It's almost like Peter is giving him a little bit of a zing here. You know that guy that you all thought you killed? Well, not only did he raise from the dead, but he lives on through us and through what we're doing. That is a really important thing to see, that, that they are accrediting this to Jesus to prove that he has lived on, even though he's been resurrected and has ascended into heaven. He's living on through them. Yeah. And it is going to be interesting that uh, we find out a little bit later that um, they uh, the guy is standing there uh, in verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them. So when he says in verse 10, by him, this man is standing before you well. I mean, like it's an object lesson. Like this lame man is standing before you because of Jesus. It is his name that made him well. And so they just very boldly lay it before them, and they accuse them. And they even tie in the same uh, prophecy, Psalm 118, verse 22, uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, Jesus quoted that with the parable of the vineyard back in Mark Mark 12. And now they say, very specifically, you are the builders, (laughs) and Jesus is the cornerstone. You rejected Jesus and fulfilled this prophecy. And so it all fell into place, and yeah. you're the guilty ones. And in verse 12, he pulls it together. There's salvation in no one else. And again, the emphasis on the name. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yeah, that really, that, that'll preach. That is a, that's actually one of my favorite verses in the book of Acts. It just puts 
so much emphasis on salvation being in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Mm-hmm. So they've put, <laughs> they've been very bold. <laughs> they've, they've put the leaders in a hard position here because they, they don't want to admit that they're wrong about Jesus, but they're trying to figure out how do we stop these guys from talking about the name of Jesus. Um, so let's yep. see the reaction. Let's, let's see what they do here. Let's read verses 13 down to verse uh, 22. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, uh, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Man, I love Acts 4.13. (laughs) When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were, mine says, uneducated, common men. Yeah, I think the uh, down south version says, these guys are rednecks. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that might be right. Yeah, these guys, they're, they're they, Galilean. They, they said that in chapter two. Yeah, Aren't these like, men speaking Galileans? Yeah. Like, where did they get this? Who are these guys? We know that they're, they're just Peter and James and John and Andrew. They, they were all fishermen. That's what they did by trade. Like, these guys didn't go to. To some of these same schools that maybe the Pharisees went to, we'll learn that Paul is trained by Gamaliel, you know, as a Pharisee. These guys didn't have any of that formal training. They're they're uneducated. Yeah, they're just blown away. Right? Where, where, how did how are they so bold? How are they so eloquent? This is incredible. And it says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's all the education they need. I just love that. Yeah, that is what changed these men into people who would turn the world upside down. Um, it's not because they were so smart. It's not because they had some great particular type of education. It's because they had been with Jesus, and the risen Jesus has changed their lives. And again, remember that this is the same council that crucified Jesus, and Peter was cursing and swearing that he never knew Jesus last time he was here, or at least in the courtyard. And now he's in the hot seat, and he is nothing but fire. Like, he is just bold. And telling it like it is to the same group. And this is something we want to strive for. When people hear us teach and preach and talk about Jesus, I hope they don't come away with saying, oh, well, I can tell that so-and-so went to that seminary or or so-and-so is is part of that church. I want them to be able to come away from anything that I say about Jesus and say, he has spent time with the words of Jesus. He knows what Jesus said um, and put the focus on that. And so in our teaching and preaching, that is what we need to put a focus on is constant reading and study in, in God's word. 
um, not what seminary or what, what education we have, but the fact that we spend time in the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Amen. So the council is just floored. They're like, what are we going to do? We can't deny the miracle. Right. Like the guy's standing right there. Like we, we know this guy. We've seen this guy. We can't go around telling people, oh, it was a different guy. Or, like, nope. Like <laughs> we can't deny the miracle. So let's powwow about this. Um, let's warn them to stop speaking in this name. Again, the name. And so they bring him in and say, you may not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John. All right, guys, you judge. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. You you, you be the judge of that. We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Again, we're eyewitnesses. How many times do we have to tell you, we saw a man raised from the dead? Like, how many times do we have to tell you all, that's what we've seen and that's what we've heard? We can't stop talking about that. Don't you guys understand that? I kind of think they're bright here. (laughs) And again, and he says, like, listen, we're going to obey God rather than you. And this is really important because the Bible teaches submission to authority. Uh, to the government, local authorities, and these are the local Jewish authorities. And the authorities are telling them, stop it. Stop teaching and preaching about Jesus. And they say, listen, we're obeying God over you. And again, that's not to say like we're not going to pay our taxes or we're just going to rebel against the government. But when the government and God come into conflict with each other, we have to be the kind of people who say, I'm going to serve God whatever it costs me from the government. I love how matter-of-factly they say it, too. It's, it's just like, no, this is, this is the decision we're going to make. And we need to get to that point in our faith where it is as matter-of-fact as that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And whatever happens, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in our country, things like that. I don't know what the fallout is, but that's my decision. That's right. Yeah. We need to already have the decision made. And so, again, they just can't figure out how to threaten them. They can't figure out how to punish them further, so they let them go. Now, it's going to escalate in and, the coming chapters. And by the way, this is the same court that killed Jesus, so... I can't help but think that Peter and John know that and are thinking of the same thing. We could die here. Yep. Like This could be the end of the line for us. Mm-hmm. And yet they're still bold in what they say. That's right. Um, so coming into the, the next section, um, verses 23 through 31. Is it my turn to read? Um, you know, I think it's my turn again. Okay. <laughs> Forget which one we go. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I just want you to picture this. Before we read this, if you just had kind of the close call, like whew, we got off with a warning, basically. How would you have responded and what would you have prayed about? Let's read the way they responded. Acts 4, 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, 
the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So in verse 23, they get let go. I love it says they went to their own. The New American Standard will add a word that's companions, but literally in Greek, it's just the idea that they went to their own. Like people they belong to. This is my guys. These have become. These are my people. It's their family. Right. And uh, they tell everybody about it. Like, oh, man. Like, I I love this meeting. Like, oh, this is what happened. Uh, We're alive by God's grace, but this is what happened. And um, the response to this is not, oh, no. We got to be careful. We got we got to watch our step here, guys. Let's lay low for a while. Yeah, let's just let's just not talk about Jesus for a little bit, and then we'll we'll go back to it in a little bit. No, they praise God, and they say, "Oh Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage?' It's Psalm two, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, that's such a cool thing for them to tie in in this moment. It is because Psalm two is right at the beginning of Psalms, and it's kind of one of the introduction Psalms. It and it's all about like all the people, all the the nations coming against God and against His anointed or His Christ or Messiah. Mm-hmm. And God laughs in that Psalm. All their strength, all their power. He's like, "Look, I put my king on my holy hill. Like, you're my son. Today I've begotten you." This is the same Psalm. And they say, "Hey, Psalm two was just fulfilled just now. I mean, this happened with Jesus when Herod and Pontius Pilate came against him." And it's happening now with his followers that the nations are still raging against the people of the Messiah, against the, the people of God's anointed. And so their prayer in verse 29 is look at their threats and help us to keep speaking with boldness. They don't ask for relief. They ask for courage. Mm-hmm. I just so appreciate that. And my, my prayers need to be more like that. Um, that whatever happens, whatever things we face in this country or personally or on family level, that we are not just praying for relief, but we are praying for boldness and courage to speak the word of God no matter what the opposition is. And I know this is a prayer that God wants us to pray. You know how I know that? Because of what happens in verse 31. <laughs> after, <laughs> after they pray, the entire place shakes. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. There's that word again. That's right. And that is something we need to pray for more. Yeah. And we need to prepare if we pray for boldness, for that prayer to be answered with opportunities to be bold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we need to, in, in, in a sense, be ready to be the answer to our own prayer, for God to answer that through us. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't imagine if somebody had like, missed this gathering and, uh, you know, somebody tells them about it later, what? like, there's like the place shook afterward, <laughs> you know, there's this, this answer in the form of basically an earthquake. And this is just powerful. This is going to set the stage for the increasing opposition is that things are going to get tough and things are going to get tougher for the Christians and they are going to continue being bold. Um, even as the opposition increases, their boldness is going to increase and the gospel is going to spread throughout the world because of God answering this prayer and them standing before places where they could die. And sometimes they will die, but they are going to go to their graves telling people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. The only way to get Christians to be quiet was to kill them. Right. 
Well, this is uh, probably a good place to stop. We're, we're going to get into chapter 4, verse 32 uh, next week, Lord willing, where it's going to be kind of a compare and contrast with attitudes and hearts of giving um, that will go hand in hand with chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. And then we're going to see the apostles actually get locked up again as well in chapter 5 and see the fallout and the response to that. So that's what you can look forward to next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. Um, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please do subscribe, rate, review. Uh, that helps us out. Um, and if you're interested in online Bible studies, reach out to us, uh, 717-585-0949, capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information about other studies and uh, other ways you can connect, uh, check us out on the web, capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening today.